0: What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive
1: Jive. This episode is brought to you by... A landlocked naval officer who needed a new hobby outside of drinking snobby IPAs. Thank you, Mark. Well, Mr. Mr. Ken, Mr. Ken, mm-hmm. um we today so this is um this is like you're having a nightmare that you're back in school today is going to be a pop quiz <laughs> pop quiz okay pop quiz okay so we're going to we're going to go back um actually okay so first off let's go through and we have a new patron on Patreon that we want to give a shout out to so thank you so much to Mick D um and I cannot like you know I have no idea Anything about Mick? Unfortunately, at the moment, he hasn't responded to the, his initial messages. But I just want to thank that he's from Australia <laughs> because when I hear Mick D, I, I immediately think Mick Dundee, which you know, Crocodile Dundee. So <laughs> us, us <laughs> Americans, and our limited knowledge of Australia. But anyhow, thank you so much, Mick, for joining us on Patreon. That's absolutely amazing. We greatly appreciate it. Yep. And for today's episode, we're going to go through. Like I said, we're going to do a recap um quiz that's going to basically be a recap on spring management so i've come up with a list of questions that i'm going to ask you and uh we'll we'll go through and see how much you've retained from the first five months of this year <laughs>
0: <clears throat> are you ready yeah i am oh do i need do we want to tell about uh, the bunch of bees that i found in an ice chest
1: um <laughs> no <laughs> we're doing, we're we can, about that. Huh? We can uh, but uh i mean if you just want to stall for time because you're afraid of these questions you take yeah. off
0: i'm ready no I, i'm gonna get <laughs> a hundred on this oh you are oh yeah now you now you're hunting hard questions
1: well i've already i already wrote them down i wrote them down at at like 10 o'clock last night so I mean, that's not to say, though, you can't see the list, so you don't know if I sneak one in there. (laughs) I know. Um, All right, so first off, how to tell when to feed? How can you look in your colony and know when you need to feed your colony?
0: When you open up, uh, you got to get down and, and look and see... Where If they have any nectar, if they have any honey in the cells, or if they have nectar, or if it's just dry and there's nothing in there, uh, we're in a durst, or it's winter, you need to, and by the way, if it's winter, you want to be feeding a fondant or a sugar, and, uh, and if it's a <laughs> is, spring, you want to feed recap. a one-to-one, one, <laughs> and if it's winter and you want to feed sugar water, you want to feed a one-to-two.
1: Are you trying to go for like bonus credit there? <laughs> well, hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, so this is just the spring recap. So you you don't have to necessarily do anything that's winter wise. But that that is good. That's good. Yeah. Go through, open them up, check inside there, and see if there are any cells that have open liquid in them. Because if you have not been feeding them and they've got open liquid in there, then they are finding something and bringing it in. So. To know if you need to feed, you go through and you look, and if all the cells are dry and empty, um, that is a good indication that there's not any food out there for them and you need to go ahead and feed them. Another thing that we haven't necessarily talked about but is a good indication to tell when when bees have enough food or don't have enough food, it's based on the amount of royal jelly and uh, brood food that is in the bottom of the cells of the newly developing larvae that have just hatched out of the egg. So if you go in and you look at those cells and you shine a little light down in there, if they look like they're laying on the bottom of a dry cell or it's just a little bit damp, they need food. But if they're swimming in a pool of shiny liquid, then that colony actually is doing okay and has food at the moment. So that's another little way that you can kind of cheat and figure that out. So on the flip side of that question, Ken, how to know when to stop feeding?
0: When they have capped... uh, honey, and, and such as that. Also, when you see the flow start, your nectar flow start. Okay.
1: How would you know? That's actually the next question. How do you know when the nectar flow started?
0: When the flowers start blooming. No. The right flower. Oh, when you see, uh, liquid in
1: your cells. That's right. So if you want to test it, one of the, one of the ways that you can go through and figure it out is if you are feeding them, say you're feeding them a quart jar that you can visually see. And normally they take that whole quart and they drain it within two to three days. But you gave them a quart and seven days have gone by and they've barely used half of it. That could be, it's not guaranteed, but that could be a good indication that there is natural nectar sources available out there and they prefer the natural nectar over the sugar water. So they will start ignoring the sugar water and they'll start bringing in more of the nectar. So that's one way. Another way would be to quit feeding them for a week to two weeks and then come back and check them and C, is the liquid that was in the cells when I did my first inspection still there or is it gone and they're all dry? Or is it still there and there's more? Because if you've stopped feeding them and yet there's still more and more liquid showing up in the cells, then you do have a nectar flow going on.
0: I all, You know how many packages I've got. All the packages have, uh, there for a little while, they quit eating the, the sugar. I've been, you know feeding them one to two quarts of sugar water just to grow those packages so they'll get to making comb and everything. And then all of a sudden they'll quit eating that quart of water a week or sugar water. And then now this week with all the rain we're going to go get, I feel like they will go back to eating the sugar water or using it uh, because they're not going to be able to get out and get nectar from the plants because of the rain that we're going to see. And by the way, the bee brush, uh, all the, you know, with the rain, it, uh, it does like uh, mesquite. As soon as it gets wet, it curls up. But now as soon as it gets hot again, it'll be blooming again. So, uh, yeah, we're fixing to have a big nectar flow as soon as it gets hot again.
1: Nice. Well, and that's a great, uh, just a little additional piece there too, is that if you do know... Yeah, bonus. Get some bonus credit in there for you. If you do know that you're going to have inclement weather and it's going to be rainy or, you know, anything that's going to keep the bees from being able to go out and forage and or to keep the bees from being able to forage because there's no food out there, not necessarily that they can't get out of the colony. If you know that's coming up, so for instance, for us this week, we literally have a chance of rain every single day. Um, They're estimating for the Austin area potentially up to seven inches in the next seven days. So if that truly does happen, like if you know that's going to be the case, you could go ahead and put on one quart of food today and let them go through that for those next seven days. Now, the only downside to this is we typically don't want to feed during the nectar flow because that's how—that's the only way you can guarantee that your honey is pure honey is if you stop feeding before the nectar flow starts, give the bees time to burn through all the sugar water that's in there and then start bringing in actual nectar and capping that. So if you do feed them in the middle of the nectar flow, it could be detrimental to your honey because then you may have sugar syrup mixed in with that. But in cases where the bees may literally be starving because there is no nectar and they didn't already have any stored up or anything like that, then you can preemptively give them that sugar and let them go through and have that during that time period where they can't get out and go forage. So okay, Next question, when or how do you know when it is okay to add another box to the top of your hive if you've got a Langstroth hive?
0: If you've opened up your your brood box or, or your middle box, your the next one, your, your food box, and you look and there's if your brood box is full then and and you check your your medium that's above it and it's about I'm going to say 75% or maybe even a little less than that you should more. start stacking
1: needs to be more more yeah you want your box to be roughly 90% drawn comb so if you have and it doesn't matter the size of your boxes if you have one box and they've drawn out every side of the seven bars in the center or seven frames in the center and then, or the eight frames in the center, and then your ninth and 10th frame on the far right and far left, they've started drawing out the inner side of it, but not the outer side. That's when you can go ahead and add on your next box. And what I would suggest in that case also is to pull out frame number one and frame number 10, which would be your far right and your far left, turn them, so that the side where they had started building the wax is now facing the outer wall of the box and the empty side is facing in towards the comb beside it. And put those back in, then put your next box on. And you follow that same pattern all the way through. It doesn't matter how many boxes you have. Whenever you're giving them empty foundation, you put on that next thing of foundation whenever they have 90% of the box below them drawn out. And that will keep them from doing a thing called chimneying, where they just build straight up the center and they only occupy like the four frames in the middle and they don't ever extend outward. They just keep going upward. Okay. All right. So what should you do if you find swarm cells in your colony before you do anything else? What should the first thing you do if you see swarm cells in your colony? Rip them out. No. <laughs> eh. Failed the whole quiz. Now, are we we
0: looking at swarm cells or are we looking at emergency queen cells?
1: Well, it doesn't matter. Let's just say you've gone to do an inspection and you find queen cells. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter if they're supersedure, emergency, or swarm. You find queen cells in your colony. What is the very first thing you should do before you make any other actions? Look for the queen. There you go. There you go. You've redeemed yourself. Okay. Yeah, you absolutely need to find the queen. And then you go. Well, it depends
0: on what you find. If you find a queen and you and you got a bunch of bees in there, they're gonna swarm. So would you take out the the cells that they're to keep them from swarming or no? They're just gonna make another cell.
1: Yeah, it really kind of depends on your situation. So let's say that you just had one deep box. Um, In this hypothetical scenario, you're going to be running, it doesn't matter, we'll we'll change this, it doesn't matter the size of the box, but you're going to be running all the same sizes. So it's not going to be a combination of deeps and mediums. It's either all deeps or all mediums, okay? Mm -hmm. So you've got one box, you go through, you do your inspection, you see a queen cell. Or you see 15 queen cells. It doesn't matter, but you have found a queen cell. And it has, we'll say at the moment, they're still open. So they've got eggs or larva and royal jelly in there, and they're drawing them out. The very first thing you need to do is go through every single frame of that colony backwards and frontwards and look for the queen. If you find your queen, then you can make some decisions. And if it was just one box, they're going through and they're trying to swarm because they're cramped. So what you can do is get you your second box. You're going to take two frames of brood from the outer areas of the brood nest. And you're going to move those up and put those together in the middle of the next box that's going on top. And then you're going to replace those frames down at the bottom with empty frames that haven't been drawn out. And you can go through and remove all of the queen cells that you find because you know your queen is still present. Put it all back together and then come back out and check it in five more days. And now you gotta make sure you did not miss any queen cells anywhere, so you've gotta be very vigilant and make, sure and, and make sure you're also diligent and remove every single queen cell. Now, you have preemptively stopped, but you have not necessarily hindered the swarm urge itself, but you have stopped the initial process, or paused it, rather. And in five days, if you come back and check, and they have not started building new queen cells, then you may be out of the woods, but you still want to watch it because now you've changed up the pattern of stuff. You've given them some empty frames down below, which is going to frustrate them because it messes up the bee space. Hopefully they'll start drawing out the wax on those frames, which then will give the queen new places delay. And you can go through and kind of keep an eye on what's going on, but it also encourages them to move up into the next box and start drawing out that box as well. Now that scenario again, only works, if all the boxes are the same size. So, now let's say a different scenario here is you go through, they've already got multiple boxes and you found queen cells everywhere, and your colony is big and your colony is strong. It's not just starting off, it's not just coming from a nuke or a package. You've already got two or three boxes on there and you go through and do an inspection and you find queen cells. And same scenario, you go through the entire colony, every frame, and you find your queen well, now you can make a decision. Do I want to go ahead and try to curb their urge to swarm, which is going to be a lot harder if the colony is even bigger, or do you want to go ahead and make a split? And if you do that, so here this kind of leads into your next question. If you do make a split, where should the original queen go?
0: Original queen goes with the, with the split and uh, let the let the uh, the colony grow a new queen or Correct. you place one or in there install,
1: yeah, or install a new queen in there either way but yes take the take the original queen and move her with your split over into that other box because if if they would have gone ahead and swarmed she would have left anyway so you take her out and you move her to the other box it gives her a smaller area to go ahead and work and build up which also then pretty much, not always, but pretty much usually ensures that that new split is not going to try to swarm this year because they've already, you know, gotten that drive done from their biological sense. Then over on your other colony, the original colony, you then would go through and let's say we're going to let them raise their own queens. What would you do with all the queen cells that are currently in there?
0: You're going to pull them all, pop them, but open them. All of them? All except, except for the first or uh, the two biggest ones.
1: There you go. Select the two largest queen cells. If you're allowing the colony to raise their own, go through. Be again. Be very diligent. Go through and remove all the small little nubs, and leave just the two largest queen cells in there. Mm-hmm. That's to hedge your bets that one. You're not going to have 15 queens swarm uh, come out, and then the colony potentially try to do after swarms, and two. You're not going to have some little stubby not well-developed queen hatch out before the others and murder everybody else. So you're you're increasing your chances of having a fully-developed, healthy, big, fat queen come out in there, which also means that she's probably going to have a better chance of being fully mated successfully and not have any issues or hiccups. So, yeah, go through and do that. Now, if you're going to install a new queen, then the split can be done regardless if they were getting ready to swarm or not. But if they were getting ready to swarm you want to make sure that you again go through and you remove every single queen cell you can find and then put your new queen in there in her cage and go through and follow the proper procedures to release the queen based on the type of cage she's in. So let's see, next question. If you were going to split and you're going to do a proper split, how many frames of what will go over into the new split? You're talking
0: brood. No, frames of bees. Well, anything. Frame of anything. Well, you want to take... uh, I'm going to take... uh, In my box, we're going to take two frames of brood, and then we're going to put two frames of full drawed-out comb in there, the queen, and shake off about um, two or three frames of bees into
1: there shut it down and let them go to work okay technically that would work right now for us because we are in the nectar flow which means they'll be able to bring in some food and you're probably going to be feeding the split as well so that's okay but um one of the things to clarify when you take the frames of brood you want to take the frames of capped brood okay So that that new split is immediately going to have a huge burst of population and a lot of young bees to go through and draw out this new wax and help fill up this new box. So that's the first thing is make sure that brood is capped brood and move that over. You want to make sure that the other colony, especially if you're going to let them raise their own queen, is left with eggs and larva, but they don't necessarily need the capped brood immediately because they've got a ton of foragers still. And they'll be able to go through and kind of do what they need to do. Now, in addition to your two frames of brood, based on the time of year and based on the availability of food, if you want to make that split stronger and you want to make sure that it has an even better bet of being successful, go ahead and also give it a frame of food stores that are liquid and a frame of pollen because then you reduce how much foraging it needs to do because it is going to be smaller and have less foragers. So that's another thing that you can do. You can go all the way up to five frames and make a full nuke out of a split, or you can do like you did where you did a slim split kind of thing, like a quick split, and gave them drawn comb so they can immediately go over and and expand into that, you know. So there's different scenarios that you can do to tweak this based on your individual beekeeping what resources you have, and the time of year that you need it for. Um, we are going to do – I haven't actually got all the way through the footage yet to see how, how well the footage was. But, you know, when we did the quick splits out there, you and Max and I out at your place? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Max was recording with my phone, and we've got footage on it that goes all the way through it, but the, the big camera uh, ran out of space because we had recorded everything that day, so it ran out of space – partway through the beginning of it. So I need to go through and really look and see if we've got enough to splice it in there. But we do have a couple of videos we'll put out on Patreon that will be um, doing a quick split, like what you just mentioned, versus doing a full proper split. And the full proper split will be kind of a digital presentation that we'll just walk through, and then the other one will be a live video. So those things are in process to come out and that'll kind of show people the the difference between the two. So, um, okay, if you do your split, do you still get a honey harvest from either colony, both the split and the one that you harvested the split from? I wouldn't go after
0: the split as a honey harvest, but uh, you will get a little bit off of the original colony. Not much because I've already noticed that I'm not stacking on the splits that we did. I'm not stacking as many boxes on there. It, it seems to knock them back uh when you do that because they they have to take a basically a month to raise a queen then she has to go out and get mated then she can come back and then they go to raising new bees so uh, probably you're going to say you're going to get a little honey out of the original colony but you're not looking at a whole lot and probably you shouldn't go after any honey but you can since we're in texas and we go, we, you know, it's warm down here. And then we get a...
1: Yeah, but, but our nectar flow is not nearly as impressive as the ones in the northern states. They can make more nectar in 45 days than we can in six months. So it depends on where you're at, mm-hmm. but it also depends on the size of your colony. If you did a split from a colony that was already a deep in two mediums, and they've got a lot of drawn comb, and you just took maybe three or four deep frames out of the bottom, they may still be able to give you a honey harvest. But the the other thing you got to keep in mind is they have to, if you gave them like empty undrawn frames in there, they have to divert their resources to rebuild those frames in that bottom box. So that's going to take, you know, that anywhere from eight to 10 pounds of honey to create that one pound of wax to go through and, and draw all that out. So it can definitely put a dent on your honey harvest, and that's why it does it, is because now we've diverted resources to building comb when originally we had plenty of comb and our resources would have went just to storing the food. Now, you should never take it from the split. Um, they're going to need everything they can to make it through that first year. That split is basically a brand new colony. It's the same as a nuc or a package. And with any colony, they need to have two boxes. And based on where you're at, that's either a deep and a medium... Well, it can be three mediums if you're doing all mediums. They need three mediums. If you're doing a deep and a medium, they need a deep and a medium. If you're doing all deeps, they need two deeps based on your region and based on how much honey they need for the winter. That's the bare minimum to make it through the dearth and make it through the winter. So if your colony only has two boxes, you have no business taking any resources from them. Once they get into the third box and above, that is your honey harvest. Everything below that is theirs. Yep. Okay. What is our next question here? On
0: my boxes, we have already split the... uh, the, Now I'm going to throw something in. We have a different box. Ours are four frame. They're they're 10 frame boxes, but they only use the middle. uh, We use four frames on each side. And John's sitting there, why are you saying this? You're putting... But we stack stack them basically we're raising eight frames in a stacked stacked box am i right
1: yeah it's it's a what it is is it's a double nuke box right. and it has it was designed out of a 10 frame box that's divided in the center holds four frames on either side but whenever those colonies started getting bigger because four frames isn't very much and, and depending on yeah, how you do we've your already split, stacked them. Yeah, depending on how you do your split, you may start off with four frames. So once the colony population has gotten to the point where they need more room, um, we took another identical divided split box and set on top of it. So they're actually an eight frame colony, but it's four on the bottom and four on the top. Um, But that really just equates to one eight frame deep box when it's all said and done. It's just a different configuration of it.
0: And uh, I hadn't opened up those eight the the ones that we stacked. It's been a week now, but the way they were working on the others, I got a feeling next week we're gonna have to put them in a in a deep eight frame, and probably put a medium on top because that uh, the the split we did off of the rock hive. Now, by the way, we took those mean queens out of the rock hive. And the split, uh, and the nuke, we have put scratch Queens back into there. So now we're going to be able to talk about Scratz in the future, near future. Now shut up.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, you quit talking too soon. I was getting a drink of tea. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm good. It's good. Um, okay. So the next question on the list, uh, technically, I think this is the last question on the list. If your colony does swarm can you still get a honey harvest? Hmm. So you don't take any frames from it. You didn't do a split. You were, you were busy and it was a really busy week or, or like us, we had a week of rain. The bees were all cramped inside there. And, you know, Tuesday morning, as soon as the sun came out, man, they issued a swarm and they left and you tried, you chased them down the street, but they didn't land and you, you lost track of them and you don't know where they went. So you couldn't catch them and couldn't retrieve them. So, um, all the frames are still in the colony. All the comb is still in the colony. Can you still get a honey harvest from that colony?
0: Probably not near as much, and you probably shouldn't because the, the swarm that left, they filled up full of nectar and honey to go with them so they could build a uh, comb and you know wax. Uh, I'm going to say... Yes, a little one,
1: but probably shouldn't at all. So here's a fun little contradiction, and it depends on the state of the colony that it came from. But technically, if you do a split and you take frames away from a colony, you probably should just resign yourself to the fact that you will not get a honey harvest. Mm -hmm. But if your colony swarms, you can still get a honey harvest. Really? And it's one of those misconceptions that people are like, oh, but if you if you if your colony swarms, you lose fifty to seventy five percent of your workforce, and therefore you know you're not getting any honey harvest. Plus, what you said, they do take a good portion of food stores with them so that they can immediately draw a comb. But let's say that that colony was rocking, and they've got, well. Uh, I'm going to use a top bar for an example on this one, but we could you could equate it to a Langstroth as well. So let's say that they were like Steve's top bar last year where they had built out over 30 bars of comb. 15 of them were completely chocked full of nectar. There was nowhere left in the colony for the queen to lay, and so they issued a swarm and they left. Now, in that scenario, even if they went through and they took five or 10 of those bars of Nectar out and went with them, there's still five extra bars back there that are completely full. Plus, let's also assume that they had five or six bars of solid capped brood. Now, if you flip that over to a Langstroth, let's say that they have an entire box of solid capped brood, then they've got two boxes of food and they take one box of food with them. So you've still got one box of food. All of a sudden... Those cat brood hatch out of there. And if it's a deep frame of solid capped brood, we've talked about this many times, that's nine to 10,000 bees that are going to come out of that one frame. And if you've got a whole box full of cat brood ready to come out of there, even if you lose 90% of your colony, you're going to immediately recoup all of those bees. Now, the times that this does not work is if the colony has backfilled so badly into the brood nest, that there's not anywhere for the queen to lay, and there's not a lot of capped brood because it's already been hindering her laying ability, and they go ahead and they swarm. Well, now your colony is going to be drastically knocked back because they don't have that brood to emerge and immediately take over those um, those duties and, and kind of recoup that population. So it depends. It's like everything in beekeeping, There's there's a contradiction to it, right? There's always some other variable in there. So yes... If your colony swarms, it does suck. It sucks more because you lost your original queen, and you may have paid good money for her, and she may have been a pure line genetic queen, and she may have been the most wonderful queen you've ever seen, and she just flew away. And she's either going to help spread those genetics into the feral population, or some other lucky beekeeper is going to catch your queen and benefit from all of her wonderfulness. Um, So it really sucks in that aspect. And then you're playing Russian roulette if you let them raise their own queen. You don't know if she's going to get mated, if she'll get mated well, if she does mate well, who she's mated with, what their genetic behaviors are, if they're hygienic or not. Do they build wax? Do they build propolis? Do they, you know, store a lot of honey? Like, you don't know. Um, So those are kind of some of the bigger downsides. But, yes, it is possible that you could still potentially get a honey harvest, even if your colony swarms. Now, again, fall back to that other scenario It only happens if you have the amount of boxes or bars needed to allow for a honey harvest. So there are situations where some beekeepers can be greedy and they've only got two boxes and they turn around and they go ahead and harvest from one of those boxes and then just turn around and pump the bees full of sugar. Now, the downside to that is you're doing your bees a little bit of a disservice because you're taking their natural food stores that they've worked really hard for away from them and giving them something that's subpar, that's just purely carbohydrates and doesn't have any amino acids. It doesn't have any minerals, nothing else to it that they need. So, I mean, yeah, you can you can do that. And you do have beekeepers who are like, well, I got to harvest my first year. Well, yeah, what'd you do? Steal frames out of the deep in the bottom or, or take them off of the first box on the top? Because you probably didn't make it to three boxes in your first year. So was that honey harvest truly yours or were you just being greedy? <laughs> that's it those are all the questions i have to recap on spring management do you have any little side notes you want to throw in there
0: oh i could talk about all kinds of stuff that's happening no side
1: notes to the topic
0: <laughs> oh spring stuff uh yes. I found well we talked about it last week. We I found mesquites blooming. They're all gone now because it rained. Uh and they won't be coming out for a while until it gets hot and dry again. Uh the bee brush, the same thing there. It's, it's gonna rain a bunch and they're gonna uh, white brush in Texas is gonna go crazy uh blooming. So uh I think our nectar flow it was just is just now getting going. And all the bees I have, and all the splits we've done, and and the requeening we've done, is gone crazy. And we have we're we're in good shape up here. And all of the packages are doing wonderful, and the splits are just wow. That's all I can say about that. And like I say, we're gonna have scrats, and we're gonna have scrats in a top bar. We have scrats in a nuke, and we're gonna have scrats in a a huge colony. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to have all, all kinds right, of All right, well. And we've got a brand new baby boy named Blaze, not me, my son.
1: So <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, yeah, you have, have a new baby grandson. I <laughs> have a baby grandson. Yep. That's right. Max is now a proud papa. Yep. First. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, uh, just to remind everyone, if you do have any questions that you would like us to answer on the show for everybody to hear, please feel free to send those in to us. We are building another listener question episode and we have already gotten several questions in. So thank you so much to those of you who have sent them in. But if you have questions and you want to hear it answered on the show, shoot us an email to info at and put in the subject of the email listener questions. And we will have them flag that and send it over to us so that we can get it on that episode. Um, depending on how many of them come in this next week, That may be your your episode that you will hear the next following Monday. So, uh, again, listener questions. If you guys want to hear them on the air, it's been a little while since we've done one of those episodes. Go ahead and shoot us that email, info at thehivejive.com, subject, listener questions. And we're going to go ahead and call it good for the week. Hope everybody out there is doing well. And you got any final words, Ken? Wrap up thoughts?
0: Uh... John worked a bunch of bees called Satan's daughters uh, earlier this week, and uh, uh, that's all I know. What, what kind of what kind of hive is that, Satan's daughters?
1: Yeah, no, they they were just some evil SOBs.
0: <laughs> I have nothing to add to that, and uh, everything's wonderful up here, and that's all I know.
1: All right. Well, we'll call her good. You all out there, be safe and be good.
0: Be healthy. Y'all stay safe and healthy, family. And we'll see y'all on the other side. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.